So the thing about me is, uh, so I went to, I grew up in Centerville, Ohio, home of A.J. Hawk, Mike Nugent. Yeah, that's a football, football yeah, yeah. town. Kirk Herbstreet, they went there. So it was a big uh, football place. And I grew up running track. And people saw me and they're like, hey, man, body, you're big, black Nigerian. <laughs> we could use you on the football field. Oh, okay. So I go to tell my mom, dad, hey, mom, dad, Kirk, you met my parents. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so I go to tell my mom, that's like, hey, I want to play football. My dad's like, uh-uh. I am an engineer. Your mom is a doctor. <laughs> no, 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 no. We, we, t- we are, you're in school to focus on your academics and not to play. Dad, I, I think I can be really good and I can get a scholarship. No, no, no. Wow. And, and, end of discussion. Wow. I'm, I'm like, Dad, is there any way? So then my dad and I have a deal. So after my freshman year, my dad's like, all right, you have to make honor roll. Freshman year, then from there we'll see. So sophomore year, I go out for it. I'm terrible, man. Like, yeah, <laughs> I wanted to quit, but I caused such a commotion, uh, like middle child syndrome, caused such a commotion about playing football that I can look at my parents in the eye and tell them that they were right. Good evening, everyone, and welcome to this special Thursday night edition of Under Center with Kirk Cousins, a holiday edition. Hope uh, all, all uh, had a great Christmas, Hanukkah, whatever you were celebrating. And Kirk, uh, back at you. I hope uh, you're able to relax a little bit with the family. I'm sure you did the last couple of days. Yeah, it was good. We uh, had Christmas Eve off, uh, went to church that night, and then we were back at work Christmas Day, about midday. But Christmas morning, we were able to get up and open presents and do the traditional morning with my two young boys and my wife. It was a good morning. How was your Christmas? It was great. Uh, son and his girlfriend are in town from San Francisco, and my uh, my daughter's here. So it was, it was wonderful. I'm going to con- kind of continue it uh, going. But uh, awesome. have some football to talk about as well. Yeah. So before we look ahead, not just to the Bears game on Sunday, but the playoff situation, let's uh, assess what happened with the Green Bay loss on Monday night in the midst of the uh, Christmas holiday uh, Kirk, it was such an aberration for the last two and a half months, at least, uh, for, for an offensive standpoint. Uh, looking back now and looking at film, how, how do you explain it? Well, it was difficult. Um, you know, we came out a little flat and uh, just didn't play at the level we're capable of. Um, you know, early in the season, you could say we had a game or two like that, but uh, hadn't in a long time. And, um, you know, our defense played so well and really kept us in the game. Gave us great field position on the touchdown that, that Diggsy scored. You know, it was really off of a, a great play by our defense that put us in a great spot. And um, Packers did a good job with their pass rush. They did a good job in coverage. And, um, you know, they made it tough for us to move the football. And uh, it was it was frustrating mm-hmm. and a bit of a kick in the gut to, you know, be home Monday night. Um, so, you know, still with the division up for grabs in a way. And, and uh, wanting to just kind of finish uh, these last two weeks real strong and, and just not, not getting that done offensively was tough. Uh, speaking of the defense, they gave you the ball on a fumble recovery at the first drive of the game at the Packer 10-yard line. Uh, this opening drive, at, and U.S. Bank was rocking at that time. Yeah, I think he had a five-yard run, went to the five-yard five yard line, a couple incomplete passes, had to settle for a field goal. And did it feel like that was kind of a signal of the, what was to come, or just you still feel like, okay, we had to settle for something, but was did you feel off at all at that point? Um. A little bit of both. I think that kicking a field goal there was better than nothing. You know, being able to say, hey, we're up 3 nothing in a, in a good game mm-hmm. against a good team. Uh, great play by our defense. But you do feel when you play a good team like that, when you get the ball inside the 10, to come away with 7 is how you beat good teams. You know, when you kick field goals, it's harder to beat good teams. So there there was a little bit of both there. It was nice to be up 3 nothing, but uh, you knew that, boy, that would have been much better to have 7 there. Did you sense already that, look, Mike Boone is, is – is 
doing the best he possibly can. But the absence of Dalvin Cook was felt maybe even more than people anticipated. Well, we had, um, you know, we have great athletes with Amir Abdullah and Mike Boone and uh, even C.J. Ham, and mm-hmm. and so and they had shown great things all year. And so I think from just a straight talent or confidence standpoint, we can do it. Um, but you know, for whatever reason, um, we just weren't able to get it going. And um, certainly, you know, you can say, hey, if Dalvin's in there, maybe we get something going. But it's hard to know. You had that one uh, deep shot to, to Adam Thielen, but the ball kind of bounced off his chest and hands. It would have been a terrific catch, uh, but that was one of those opportunities that it, mm-hmm. maybe pass games, uh, Adam comes up with that ball or, or just another signal of, oh, man, this might not be our night. It just felt that way. Well, with the way our defense was playing, it wasn't going to take a perfect outing on offense. It was going to take an explosive play here or there, um, kind of like our touchdown pass, to hit a couple of those, and you're going to be right there. Because of because of what our defense was doing, so to not hit that one or to to not hit the trick play, uh, those were the plays that that you know eat at you because you feel if one of those or two of those can go our way, um, you know maybe you're able to mm-hmm. to give yourself the chance that you needed to win the game. In, in talking to Adam, uh, where do you think he is at physically? Still, I mean, coming back from the hamstring, apparently running full speed, does it a practice all the time? Just a matter of opportunity to get him going again. Yeah, he seems good to me. I mean, I think he's he's uh, his usual self. I just think that when we didn't convert many third downs, we didn't have as many plays, didn't get as many opportunities to throw the football and spread it around. And um, uh, you know, I, I'd, I'd like to think that you're going to see the old Adam here pretty quick. On the one uh, touchdown pass, uh, the second quarter, one on one with Stephon Diggs, it was just a beautiful pass, perfect pass, caught it in the back of the end zone. At that point, I think everyone's feeling it. U.S. Bank, we got you. Like you said, you don't need that many plays, but you got a ten to three lead. Again, um, ten to three was I thought again a good head start. Um, mm-hmm. And even at halftime, um, we all kind of felt that we hadn't put together the the half offensively that we needed to, but we had the lead, and we said, "Hey, we haven't made that critical mistake. We haven't gifted them anything, and so we have a lead right now. And uh, let's make sure this next thirty minutes is our is our." better half our best half of football and we weren't able to coming out of the half you know turn around our performance and and make something happen you mentioned the the gadget play that unfortunately did not work at Dix's pass was a little long to you you were wide open I don't know you feel you yeah. would have scored had you caught that football I don't know about score you know I guess my speed <laughs> probably would have not been enough but I'd like to think uh, we would have you know at least gotten down the field a little bit maybe gotten into scoring distance there down in the red zone but uh you know, third down conversions will always be such a big statistic because it keeps you on the field and it gives you more chances to strike. And um, we, we weren't able to sustain drives because we weren't able to continually convert third downs. Yeah, you still led 10-9 to nine at the half. You get the ball to start the third quarter, but I think this is the one thing we talk about. Maybe what we've seen the last two-plus months with the, the screen passes, uh, the rollouts, bootlegs, whatever you want to call them, uh, nothing seemed to be working. And you had a three and out to start the third quarter, and then all of a sudden it looked like things were kind of caving in on you, it became more of a pocket passer the rest of the game. Yeah, you know, when you get down, um, we didn't have a rhythm, mm-hmm. and, and I think sometimes, you know, like we saw in the Denver game, that when you jump into a no-huddle mode, you can often find that rhythm and get something going and manufacture something a different way, and I think we tried that. Uh, let's jump into a two-minute mode, no-huddle, try to get some momentum that way, and, and that didn't seem to get it going. Uh, that still uh, kept us, you know, struggling to move the ball, so... 
And then when you get down enough, the clock becomes an issue and you have to hurry up and then it does end up being, you know, a drop back fest and um, um, weren't able to, to get back in it. Yeah, it was, it was close until uh, the, you know, the Aaron Jones touchdown. You had the long pass for Diggs. Uh, you said, I don't know if you saw the cut, the corner or the, the, the cover yes. guy coming back at you. That, that one hurt. It did. You know, at the time it's 10 and 9. Uh, we're first and 10. We're just past midfield, I believe, and have a good pocket, you know, and, and, um, just try to bring Diggsy across the field, and when you do that, you're bringing someone into the play who is not part of your read, really isn't designed to be there, and or isn't designed to be, you know, in the play, and um, and so we just weren't able to to make that happen. He made a great play as a corner, and I got to bring the ball more, you know, mm-hmm. north and south up the field where he can't get over and and come get it. So when you have a game like this, nationally televised, and it's a singular game, as you've talked about often, and you look at even the games you've lost, even the ones at Seattle, the ones at Kansas City, you were moving the ball, you scored points, but this one really sticks out. You look at it and go, wow, just one of those nights, or we really got to figure things out here because yeah. time is a, is, a, is a ticking away at this point. Yeah, we, we do. Um, you know, we need to sustain drives. We need to, um, uh, obviously, you don't, can't turn the ball over there in that situation. Um, that can be fixed. We got to be able to run the football a little better uh, if teams are going to play loaded zones and coverage, and um, and then if if they are going to do that, we just got to be able to you know be more efficient with completing the ball and staying ahead of the chains and and at least keeping positive plays. You know, uh, uh, one sack I took um, was I believe a 13 yard sack, yep. and it just it kills a drive. You know, a two yard sack, three yard sack isn't going to end a drive the way a 13 yard sack does. So. Um, have to avoid plays like that as well. Does your confidence take a hit at all a game like this? Or you just keep. Well, you had pretty even keel all year long. Yeah, I don't know that you have your confidence take a hit, but but you definitely have to go back and be critical and say, look, this wasn't good enough, and we certainly can't play like this and expect to win a playoff game. So you're also realistic, and and you point to where we need to be better. I think if you felt like you weren't able to be better, that some of the stuff wasn't correctable, then yes, we got a problem, and now your confidence is shot. But if you feel like the mistakes can be corrected and that the players that we have and the plan we have is good enough to get it done, if we are all on the same page, then I think you're, you don't need to lose any confidence. Not that it would have made uh, a difference in the final score, but you had a late touchdown call back on the yeah. past the BZ Johnson holding call, thinking now at that point you're going, uh, let's just call it a night. <laughs> <laughs> There's nothing yeah. happening right and Packer defenders collided with that. It was again that was a significant play under different circumstances. Yeah, it was a great reminder of just keep playing because even in a night where nothing's going right, uh, suddenly there's a chance that you are down six points mm-hmm. with four minutes left, and with the way our defense had played, let's say the Packers go three and out, you're they're punting back to us with two minutes left, down six, mm-hmm. and a touchdown wins the game. So. You know, you realize no matter how much it may feel like you're down and out, just keep playing because you hit one of those big plays and you're right back in it, and it's anybody's ball game. And um, you know, Sean Mannion talked about how he was a part of the Super Bowl last year, and it was very similar to that game where yes, the Rams' offense did not uh, look that great all game long, but they very much were in the game mm-hmm. and could have won the game down to the final couple minutes. And so. You just have to keep playing and, and realize it's never over till it's over. It was a remarkable atmosphere. Record crowd over 67,000 the first time in U.S. Bank Stadium history that the attendance has been over 67,000. People were pretty wired for the holidays and everything else. So, I mean, adding to, to the fact that just people watching the game going, wait, this is not the same Viking team I've no. been watching all year, had to be disappointing to the players as well. 
Yeah, like you said, home game around Christmas, Monday night, the Packers. I mean, you had this, you know, two teams with double-digit wins late in the year. You had all the fixings for just an outstanding atmosphere, and, and we got it. I mean, it was an electric uh, electric atmosphere, and it was disappointing to uh, offensively not play the game we needed to play to win uh, because those are the games you live for. We talked about it yeah. on the show a week ago that uh, this is what you want. This is what you you work towards, and, and – um, you know, we're sick about it. Well, Kirk, before we uh, wind up this first section of our show, I know you uh, also hosted a holiday party. It was really a lot of fun for you at the St. Paul Boys and Girls Club where kids were able to uh, pick out gifts and a lot more. Yeah, I was able to stop by last Friday and uh, meet a lot of the kids who were there and just let them pick out some gifts and uh, got to play some uh, ping pong with them and just have fun with them for an afternoon and get a feel for uh, what their day is like when they go over to the Boys and Girls Club. And they do a great job here in the Twin Cities with a several different uh, campuses, Boy, they ever. but uh, the the kids really have a constructive place to go to mm-hmm. after school and during Christmas break and during the summers to be able to spend time to uh, do their homework, to uh, have activities, get their energy out, be educated, and 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 get a good meal. So it's a it's a really strong program for these kids to uh, how to spend their time. Yeah, we're just here with CenturyLink and the Vikings, uh, the Boys and Girls Club here in St. Paul. Uh, just with a chance to spend some time with the kids, have fun uh, right before uh, Christmas, and uh, hopefully be able to uh, gift them some nice gifts and also uh, have a few laughs and make some memories. Yeah. Yeah. This one is mine, and I'm giving it to Yeah, they must. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. Uh, yeah. That's before me. Where am I supposed yeah. to leave this? Yeah. Randy's good. It's great to see these kids, you know, working hard, having a goal, having a program that can, um, you know, keep them moving in the right direction. And uh, this club is a great place for them to spend constructive time and develop themselves further towards their goals. All right, Kirk, thanks so much. We're going to be right back with our guest of the week, defensive lineman Afadi Odenabo, right after this, under center with Kirk Cousins. Kirk, you had a Fadi in here earlier uh, as well, and uh, man, what a season that young man is having. He's outstanding. Uh, I didn't realize he's already had six sacks. Wow. Uh, pretty impressive, especially considering he's in a rotational role. Um, but he's shown it now for two off-seasons from me was watching our practices. He flashes on tape and makes plays, and you could see he can play in this league. So it's great that it's translated to game day, and uh, I think this is only the beginning for him. Never give up. Perfect example, this young man. Fadi Adenabo, the touchdown hero of the Chargers game. Uh, Fadi, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me, Kirk. Hey, so uh, let's just start with that play because it made me a very happy man. Uh, I had just thrown an interception, and the Chargers are about to go down and score. They're in field goal range. Yeah. And uh, we talk about a double dip, scoring before the half and then scoring coming out of the half. The Chargers were going to get the ball coming out of the half. So if they kick a field goal or get a touchdown there and then get the ball back and go down and score, they double dip, our chances of winning go way down. Yeah. And instead... 
Uh, we have a crazy play. You recover it, run it all the way back for a touchdown. They scrimmage from the right hash mark, and Phillip Rivers with the bolt on his helmet. Back to pass. He dropped the ball. He's about to be picked up by a Viking, bouncing around. Ifonio Denebo has it. He's to the 50, to the 40. Ifonio Denebo is loose. Touchdown! A 56-yard defensive touchdown by Ifonio I think that was that was the Neil Hunter that knocked it out initially out of Rivers' hands. You see, Rivers was, was at first thought someone was falling into his lower leg, so he was trying to protect himself and the ball. And then Hunter, I believe, punched it out. And that was Odenabo's second shot at picking up the football. He got it back. Tell me about the play uh, from the start, from the snap, and and take me through it. So, uh, so obviously uh, it was uh, it was two minute drill. So. Uh, pass Rivers, rush mentality. Yeah, exactly. I'm I'm pulling everything out. You know, I'm trying to get my pa- best pass rush move out there. So, um, are you rotating in with Everson and Daniel? How do you guys do it? So, uh, so I'm I'm the inside the three tech. Gotcha. So Daniel and Everson are on the edge, then inside in the interior, it's Steven and I. And is that a rotation, or is it pretty much you stay out there until you're gassed? Yeah, I stay out there until I'm gassed. Okay. So, um, so I'm going into my guard. So I do a little quick inside move, and um, I I I clean him. Pretty clean, but he's still leaning on my shoulders. So I naturally spin back, and I naturally spin back. Then I see Daniil topple the tackle. Like, oh <laughs> Jesus! And then, um, so at the, then at the last second, I see like, oh, the ball's knocked out. So initially, when I'm falling down, I'm like, oh, I'm about to get the ball. But the offensive guard sees me and pushes me. So I actually touch the ball, and the ball just wipes out. I'm like, oh no, this is embarrassing. Oh no. So, so it's like we're all like, I'm like, um, so I get back up. Like, oh no, like. Oh, what I just happened? That's a huge play. What do I do? Then I see the running back get the ball. I'm like, oh no, what's gonna happen? I'm just gonna run anyways. Then uh, great play by Eric Kendricks by him knocking the ball yes. out. So I saw the ball knocked out. I'm like, oh god, second bite at the apple. <laughs> second bite at the apple. <laughs> yeah, because yeah, you dropped it the first. Uh, yeah, time. I dropped the first time. I'm like, oh, no one talks about that thing, guy. But uh, <laughs> yeah, so um, but I think one thing Zim always harps on is just um. Uh, he wants effort, and I think yeah, no from, what, from what Daniel did, from what Eric Kendricks did, I wouldn't have been able to do that, get that touchdown if it wasn't for those two Well, guys. thank you so much for not just falling on it, yeah. because with the time running out, we wouldn't be able to get points. Yeah. And, and then, you, you picking it up <laughs> and scoring, I mean, that changes the whole game. I'm going to be honest, I had no idea. Like After I found out seven seconds left in the game, I'm like, oh, yeah, we, we kind of needed that. Like <laughs> uh, Just in a two-minute drill, you, you don't have no idea what's going on with the clock. Yeah, yeah. So you're just pass rushing, like, Oh man, let's get off the field. I'm really tired I here. I love the sound effects. <laughs> oh, well, I was thinking as he ran down, I was thinking yeah. one of those deals of boy. When the play started, there wasn't that much time. If he doesn't, if he gets tackled here, we're not going to have no any time points. to get a field yeah. goal. So it was please score, please score, please <laughs> yeah. score, and he did. And it was just yeah. double fists in the air for me on the sideline. I'm yeah. high fiving everybody. That showed up on the broadcast. Yeah. You were like psyched, yeah. Yeah. and then you were psyched yeah. in the end zone. Tell, yeah. tell us about that. You so, have the the touchdown dance. So 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 this is what, this is what, this is what going through my mind. I'm like, oh god, like, I've never scored a touchdown before. So I'm running down. I'm like, oh, what do I do? What do I do? I see a whole bunch of Viking fans. Do I chuck the ball out there? No, that's a fine to fight. Don't do that. Keep your money. <laughs> yeah, keep my money. All right. When in doubt, pull the sword out. So when in doubt, <laughs> so I pull the sword out. Then um, then Daniel just keeps telling me, hey, Fadi, jump in the crowd, jump in the crowd. T, I can't do it. I can't do it. Yeah, you can. <laughs> try to jump. Try to jump. It's literally an eight-inch vertical, and 
Danielle tries to pick me the up. The wall wasn't that high, was it? It wasn't that high, man. Yeah, like, like, how I'm, high is I'm, that wall? I'm, I'm pretty embarrassed. I'm, I'm actually really embarrassed. But <laughs> it's a soccer stadium. Yeah, 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 hey, you live and you learn. Um, <laughs> That's outstanding. <laughs> now, uh, I was told by an analytics person that uh, the, the percent chance of winning the game on that play swung 35%. That's uh, just on one play because of obviously what happened. I mean, to get seven points out of nowhere, they're about to get three or seven. We get seven instead. Yeah, uh, pretty impactful play. Arguably the single most impactful play of the season. If you were to look at one play, uh, it, that made a huge difference. It seems like every team that goes on these playoff runs has a play that happens like that during the regular. It just changes the whole momentum, not only of the game but the entire season going forward. I mean, it's unbelievable. Yeah, it's pretty cool. But, uh, yeah, I wasn't thinking about the analytics or anything. It's been a dream of mine to score a touchdown. I've never done it in Pop Warner High School. Well, that's college, hard to believe. So, so it's pretty cool. I, I saw I a, a funny quote that you were, like, hit up by a bunch of girls that you didn't, yeah, you yeah. didn't have a chance I, with in high school. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so like, Touchdowns will do that. So, so Chris asked me, hey, man, like, how's your phone going? Like, how, how are the messages? And I'm like, yeah, like, I probably got around 100 messages. Like, I try to respond to everybody, but then everybody wanted to, like, keep the conversation going. I'm like, I can't I do can't this. keep this up. I, I can't. So then I was telling Chris, like, yeah, man, what's funny is, like, dude, I'm seeing a bunch of numbers that I don't have saved, and it's just a bunch of girls that, like, I, I try to talk to in my earlier years. And, in the dating days. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then they're like, hey, Fadi, hey, it's been a while. I'm like, oh. Uh, cool. Hey, what's up? <laughs> That's outstanding. Yeah. That's amazing what touchdowns are. Welcome, welcome to my life, Fadi. <laughs> How'd you get my number? <laughs> that's a real question. Oh, that's too funny. Now, talk about, you mentioned a little bit, you know, growing up. Uh, talk about growing up and uh, uh, getting recruited, go, choosing to go to Northwestern, yeah. that whole process, and uh, maybe how they projected you. So, um, so the thing about me is, uh, so I went to, I grew up in Centerville, Ohio. Home of AJ Hawk, Mike Nugent. Yeah, that's a football, football yeah, yeah. town. Kirk Herb Street. They went there, so it was a big uh, football place. And I grew up running track, and people saw me and they're like, "Hey, man, body, you're big, black Nigerian. <laughs> we could use you on the football field." <laughs> oh, okay. So I go to tell my mom, Dad. Hey, mom, Dad, Kirk, you met my parents. Oh yeah. Yeah. So I have to go to tell my mom. That's like, hey, I want to play football. My dad's like, Oh, I am an engineer. Your mom is a doctor. <laughs> This no, is great. no, no, no. We, 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 we are. You're in school to focus on your academics and not to play. Dad, like, I think I could be really good, and I can get a scholarship. No, no, no. Wow. And, and, end of discussion. Wow. I'm, I'm like, Dad, is there any way? So then, my dad and I have a deal. So after my freshman year, my dad's like, All right, you have to make honor roll. After freshman year, then from there we'll see. Were you a pretty good student? Yeah, I was a pretty good student. Okay. So, good. so I, I had a three five. So my parents let me go out for the football team. So sophomore year, I go out for it. I'm terrible, man. Like, you know, <laughs> I wanted to quit, but I caused such a commotion, uh, like middle child syndrome, caused such a commotion about playing football that I can look at my parents in the eye <laughs> and tell them that they were right. <laughs> so, so what I, position do they put you at? Defensive end. Okay, so, so it's kind of always been. Yeah, there, huh? yeah. So, 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 like initially they're going to put me in a safety because like I was about yeah. 200 pounds. Okay, six three, 200 You're pounds. A big boy. Yep. Then my coach looked at me, hey, man, Fadi, you know who you remind me of? The Nigerian Nightmare, baby. Yeah, I would have put you at defensive end. I'm like, all right, okay, we'll do this. Um, sophomore year didn't go so well. Um, then junior year, um, 
I kind of got after it in the off season, got stronger. And so you ju- did start lifting weights in high school. Yeah, yeah, I bet you got big and got, changed got, the game. Yeah, 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 people are like, oh, it's that Nigerian. It's that, <laughs> that I'm telling people it's, uh, it's that jollof rice, that Nigerian fufu. <laughs> <laughs> so, but junior year ended up. Um, I actually had a pretty good year. I ended up having about I think thirty plus offers. Wow. So yeah. So so I went from like. So why Northwestern? Going back to your parents' emphasis and academics, yeah. you think? So so like. Uh, during the whole recruiting process, it went down between Ohio State, Stanford, Northwestern, wow. Notre Dame. And um, I think I was leaning towards Ohio State, but that was with the whole Jim Trestle sure. tattoo scandal. But I was still leaning towards it. And then my mom was like, honey, now you want to be a Buckeye? We've talked about this. You've always wanted to go to a prestigious school. <laughs> She's um, always wanted you, you know, to go to a yes, prestigious school, yes, too, I bet. Yeah, yeah, so I'm like, all right, yeah, mom, you're right. Wow. So I end up going uh, – I end up – Was it a tough call between a Stanford and yeah. a Northwestern? So the thing about Stanford, Stanford was just too far. Yeah. Just being in the Midwest and just being out in the West Coast, six-hour flight versus a six-hour drive. Yeah. Yep. So I thought Chicago for the Northwestern coach with your own. I thought it was Good a fit. lot promising, exactly. All right, thanks, Kirk and Nefati. We'll be right back with more with Under Center with Kirk Cousins right after this. Welcome back to Under Center with Kirk Cousins, and now let's rejoin the conversation with Kirk and Afadi Odenabo. Now talk about the academic emphasis from your parents and your family. Is that something um, that's just kind of always been there going back several yeah. generations? So, so just like my mom, so my parents, uh, I'm first generation, so my parents immigrated here in the 90s. Uh, they, uh, my so mom, they were educated in Nigeria. Exactly, they are educated in Nigeria, and my mom, she did her residency in Nigeria, and she passed the boards. Like, my mom's, like, when I talk to family members, people just talk about my mom, how she's, like, a prodigy. Yeah. Like, she, like, graduated uh, high school, like, age 13, 14. Like, oh, wow. Like, like, they don't talk, like. So when you say she passed the boards, that's here in the States? Yeah, yeah. It's, like, the so medical. She, even the medical, though she was educated in another country, she, she then passed, became certified it, it's here. A, it's a huge deal. Because wow. they make the boards, like, three times harder yep. for foreigners. And yep. she passed it on her first try. Wow. She, so she did her. So she was good to go to have a yeah. practice here in the States. Exactly. Some of them, my dad had to follow her because it was love. So my dad was doing pretty good. And he in was an engineer, engineer, educated there as well. Exactly. And then got a job here as an engineer. Yeah, he had to start all over again um, because uh, he went to wow. U, U of I to do his grad school. Okay. Uh, for for, ma- for his master's, and um, so my mom actually did her residency during the Harlem crack epidemic. Wow. Um, and back in New York, and she was in in Harlem in New York, and and uh, she had me like I was, she was pregnant at the time during her residency. So so my mom and I was told like, hey. You and I are pretty close. Like we we went through some things. That's like, a busy life. <laughs> I was like, so, mom, how did you do that? Wow. So, so in my eyes, she's she's a she's superwoman. How did they eyes. settle in Ohio? So my dad kept getting promoted. So from Jersey, we moved to Decatur, Illinois. Okay. So we spent some time in Decatur, Illinois. Then my dad got promoted. Wow. Then as a doctor, you know, like you can just find work wherever. Your so, parents made some serious sacrifices to be able to move a, up in the world. And, exactly. And uh, wow. So in their eyes, academics has always been the thing, and. They never understood the whole concept about sports because, because how they got here was through through hard work and yes. academics, and that's why they instilled it in their children. Well, and you never really had a compromise. I mean, you, you obviously checked all the boxes athletically, yeah. but you still got the grades, exactly. got a scholarship, went yeah. to a prestigious university, got, got a degree. Yeah. So you've kind of been able to do both at yeah. a really high level. Yeah, it's just, uh, and it, just, it starts from home, and I'm, I'm pretty 
pretty blessed to have parents like that. Now, when you went to Northwestern, did you lean at all towards engineering or towards medicine or so, neither? Yeah, so so like I always wanted to be a doctor, but I took AP chemistry in, in high school. Just didn't and, work. and I, I got slaughtered in that class. I'm like, right. <laughs> slaughtered. I, I, I was like, this is not my calling. So I ended up doing economics. Okay. So so I got my degree. I got a major in economics and a minor in business. And then when football's over, you see yourself putting that to use, doing something in the markets? Uh, so I've always joked around if I hit the second contract, I'll probably just do nonprofit and just help yeah. out because I like yeah. – uh, Amen. Like I'm, pretty, I'm pretty grateful for where I'm at right now. But if the second contract doesn't hit, then I'll probably Figure do some investment out. banking. Do, do you see yourself that. going back to Ohio? I mean, is that home home for nah, you or no? I think Chicago, man. Cool. Um, I met a, just uh, just how strong the Northwestern degree is, and wow. every time I go back, and you must just, have loved it. Yeah, 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 it was it was a great experience, and like I was just I was in uh, Northwestern for the for my homecoming, and man, like it was like it's pretty cool to see seeing all those Northwestern kids that at the time you forget how tough of a school it is, yeah, but now like you see them uh, doing well in the business world, you're like wow, like they're really. Flourishing right now. Yeah, it's interesting to think about. You probably had teammates who may or may not have been as good as at football yeah. as other teams. Yeah. But thirty years later, the status and ele- elevation of your teammates and where they go in life is going to be much higher than a lot of the other college football a- exactly. teams and the networks a- you build. Exactly. So, so I've made a lot of networking and just having guys like Coach Fitzgerald and Northwestern is a, a good place. It's not. It wasn't crazy like in Ohio State or in Michigan, but it's uh, every time I come back, it's it's kind of family oriented. Wow, that's outstanding. You've done a great job uh, as a pass rusher here. You know, it's funny. I always uh, say that there's a a down-the-line, younger, underrated pass rusher on every team I've played on yep. that when we go into the preseason, other teams don't know about him. You know, you know about Daniil Hunter. You know about Everson Griffin. The yep. starters, they're ready for him. But then the third quarter shows up in the preseason, and people have no clue what a guy who's a seventh-round pick or a former practice squad player can do. And I, and usually you catch him by surprise, and uh, that's been a foddy for me these last couple of years watching him in the preseason. He gets in there, and I'm just going, this you know rookie tackle from wherever doesn't realize what he's up against. I've been watching it in practice, Number OTAs and training camp. Yeah, so uh, you've done a phenomenal job uh, in preseason. You've kind of made my life miserable. Even the <laughs> scout team every day in practice during the regular season, I, I feel you. Uh, <laughs> Just talk a little bit about being a seventh-round pick, practice squad, trying to find your way, and yet wreaking havoc everywhere you've been, at, just, in a good way. The yeah. journey, too. Like We want to hear the journey, like because yeah. you were cut by the Vikings. So, so yeah, I was cut by the Vikings, unfortunately, twice. So, <laughs> Not <laughs> once, yeah, but twice. But twice. So, that second time, I was really hoping wow. I'd make the team. So, well, you had a great offseason that year. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, so, so my first year, so what people don't, don't know about the story, what they forget is, First year, I get cut. I understand that. Like, there's something, like, I didn't have what it took at the time. Second year, they asked me to play D-tackle. So I gained about 20, 25 pounds. I remember like, that. I remember you like, lifting I, like crazy. Like, everyone saw me sort of going in that building. Oh, <laughs> oh yeah, I was eating spinach. <laughs> you call me Mr. Popeye. <laughs> so um, so I ended up playing D-tackle. Then um, one of our teammates got hurt, so they bumped me out to DN. Then I thought I had a pretty good preseason. Um but it was just a stacked roster when you have guys like Daniel and Everson. So then um, I ended up getting cut, and um, five teams put a claim on me. And um, But the team that had the worst record the year before gets first dibs, so the Cleveland Browns. So so literally as soon as I got cut, the next day I'm picking myself up. I moved to Cleveland. I'm in Cleveland. I'm thinking, oh, I'm, one of, I'm with one of the guys. I'm ready to go. 
two days later, they bring in Anthony Zettel, who's uh, another DN. So we have six DNs on the roster. But, like, since I'm the youngest one, I haven't played. I knew I was automatically out. Three weeks later, somebody gets hurt. I get cut. I have to go through the whole waiver process again. I get claimed again. I'm in Arizona. So I'm with oh. I'm with Chandler Jones and the boys. Well, we played you last <laughs> year. Exactly. You were on Arizona. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, it's crazy thing is um, I was in Arizona for about six weeks. Got to play there against the Vikings. I'm like, oh, dude, this is so crazy, man. This is so and, and But, like, when I was at Arizona, when I came back to Minnesota, I remember just thinking, like, man, U.S. Bank, this is a special place, man. It almost takes leaving sometimes to understand. Yeah, it. Having been with another team, you get here, and, and it is special. Ex- it really is. Exactly. So then – Force you get cut by them. Someone gets hurt again. So uh, first one in, first one out. So I had a chance to come on practice squad to Minnesota, and I'm like, this is where it all started. I got a lot better here. And also just the fact, I feel like um, now that I've seen the other side of the NFL, I really realize how special this locker room is. Mm. Like that, that's something that doesn't get talked a lot about. But after seeing other teams, like this is kind of like a kind of a brotherhood like locker room. So mm. so going into my third year, I was thinking, like, I mean, I got to do whatever it takes to make it on this team because – I really like the guy. You want to so, stay here. Yeah. You didn't want to leave. Yep. Wow. Well, you, you've earned your way, and, and you've uh, given yourself a home now with the way you've played. Yeah. Talk a little bit about uh, the fact that they did want to move you to an interior lineman position, and then now in two minutes you'll play inside. Yeah. But then you're also playing outside. Is that just to find a spot for you on the field? Because they want to get you out there, but the DN spots right now are taken? Uh, so it's just kind of interesting. I just kind of do what I'm told. <laughs> so, Since so, you were running track in high school, you're just doing what just you do. Like, hey, coach, you need me to play DN? I'll play, play DN. So, because what's funny is about this whole D tackle thing was, was um, like, I didn't like rushing inside. I wasn't rushing inside all through OTAs or anything. Then, like, late preseason games, like, hey, Fadi, yeah, you rushed inside last year. Let's put you in. Wow. Oh, okay, coach. And then I started rushing inside, like, and then I got a sack against the wow. the Giants game. Like, hey, we'll keep you inside there. I'm like. All right. Yeah. Hey, if you need me, Deanne, I, you need me at Deanne, you need me at three tech, you need me at nose tackle. I'll just I'll do whatever I can for the team. Yeah, that's a that's a um, great asset to have a player who can physically and mentally handle different roles yep. and uh, be a jack of all trades. Uh, many times we we take that for granted, but it is a great asset to have yeah. you. So, well, you've had a great uh, start to your career. It's only the beginning. Yep. 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 I have guys. I have guys like Daniil Everson, Linville. That just, uh, you know what I mean? Like, they bring it every single day, and it just inspires me and the younger guys like Jaleel, Jalen, all them. Just so, uh, just having guys like Andre Patterson and Coach yeah. Robert Rodriguez, just, it's just been phenomenal yeah. here. Yeah, you have two really good coaches, too. Yeah. Well, this is only year three. Yeah. And you got a lot of football ahead hey, of you, and I'm excited for your future. It's going to be fun to follow. Yeah. I think Vikings fans have a lot to look forward to with uh, what, what's going to be in store in your career up ahead. All right, thanks so much, Afadi, for joining the show. We'll be right back to preview the last regular season game against the Chicago Bears and a little bit of a playoff preview as well with Kirk Cousins. Stay with us. Welcome back to Under Center with Kirk Cousins. And, uh, Kirk, we look ahead now to uh, Sunday's game against the Chicago Bears, which in the significance category doesn't mean anything from a standing standpoint or the playoff seeding because you are locked into the sixth seed. So the one loss to the Bears, uh, the two losses to the Packers, those are the ones that kind of yeah. haunting you at the moment. 
Yes, absolutely. You look at your division at the beginning of the year and you say we got to win these games to be able to win our division. And, and uh, in many ways, they count as more than just one game because when you win it, you also send your divisional opponent with a loss. So it's tough to look back at those ones and, and have not gotten the W. And now we've got week 17, we got a chance to uh, you know, get one in the division. And um, while not, there's nothing to be gained for playoffs, um, certainly you know we all take pride in, in our final record and, and just our overall production. So as a player, as a coaching staff, uh, knowing that the playoffs are on the horizon, uh, how do you approach this game? How's the coaching staff going to approach this game as far as playing time? Yeah. And uh, game scheming, all that sort of stuff. You just want to kind of get back into sync and get things straightened out a little bit yourself. You're going to you're going to start, I would assume. I mean, I just stay in my weekly rhythm. I go through my same meeting time, same preparations, and uh, I'll let the coaches decide late in the week what they want to do. Um, but you you get ready to play, get your mind ready, and I think the best way to get ready for the playoffs is to just stay in your weekly routine. You know, leading up to that. So. Um, I don't really have to worry about it, and I'll just do my normal mm-hmm. rhythm through the week. How important is it for you uh, to kind of reboot things and just kind of get back in rhythm a little bit, no matter if the game means anything or not? You're just you're playing. It's another NFL game you're playing on Sunday, right? Yeah, there's certainly a bad taste in our mouths right now. So the sooner you can get back out on the field and and uh, you know play at a high level, the better you're going to feel. And uh, um, you know, would love the opportunity to be able to go out there on Sunday and, and play well and uh, put this past one behind us. Even though the Bears aren't going anywhere, we know what a good defense they have with Khalil Mack, and um, I don't think they have their golf clubs out. They're going to they're going to want to play right. and finish the season strongly, I assume as well. Yeah, if I know anything about them, that defense, Coach Nagy, that just their whole team, they're going to come ready to go, loaded for bear, and pardon the pun, and <laughs> uh, they'll be ready to go. So you know, we've 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 got to be ready to match it, and uh, you know, it's a home game for us, you know, in front of our crowd. Um, we want to give them something to cheer about as well. There's a risk-reward situation, I think, probably for the coaching staff. You want to regain some of that uh, that confidence, get into a rhythm a little bit as well. At the same time, you want to keep people healthy as possible. And it's not like you've got a bye week coming up. You're playing next Saturday or Sunday against an unnamed opponent right now. So you have to be kind of proactive. I assume that the coaching staff has to feel that way as well. Yeah, and those are the decisions the coaches got to make. Thankfully for me, I'll just go get ready, prepare, and be ready to play regardless. And uh but that's something, you know, they'll have those conversations and, uh, and they'll let me know what they want to do. Well, you've got a one-game season, however you look at it. Uh, you're either going to go likely to yes. be either at New Orleans or Seattle. There's other possibilities, but we're not going to get into all those right now. <laughs> they'll all be uh, uh, flushed out by Sunday night when Seattle plays San Francisco. But you do know one thing. You're going on the road, and this is what uh, is going to be in store. So how do you approach that mentally, thinking about the Bears game right now, but beyond that, understanding that there's still everything on the yeah. line for this football team? Well, the, the regular season ends here. Uh, Sunday evening, and the second season begins. And uh, at that point, everybody's record is 0-0. Uh, certainly, you know, based on your record, you can put yourself in a more advantageous position with a home game, and, and we're going to be going on the road. But, uh, but you know, it's it, everybody's 0-0, and you just go back and, and focus on your job that week and everything else you can throw out the window. Um, so we, we've put ourselves in a position to get into the dance, and... Um, We've got to come uh, ready to go with everything we can, you know, leave nothing in the holster uh, now at this point. And it, it really does take on a different feel in a way because of the nature of the playoffs and, and just how everything is, is – there's a hyper-focus, there's a, a, an intensity and a uh, – and understanding that um, you know we're so close now, let's let's get the job done. Well, I can tell you, you know, you know, starting Monday, it will be an us against the world mentality out there from the national media, maybe in the locally. Fans are always going, well, whether you play New Orleans, whatever. You have an opportunity right now to kind of make sure that to kind of become almost a folk hero here to to make things happen for this football team because 
people aren't going to expect you to win at all, no matter where you play. You're going to be underdogs. And maybe you relish that role. It's going to be an opportunity, though, for you. Well, I remember the great Herb Brooks said that, you know, great moments are born from great opportunities. And uh, we had a great opportunity this past Monday night, didn't get it done. We're going to have a great opportunity up ahead. And uh, uh, hopefully, you know, we can create a great moment out of it. Yeah. Well, let's, let's, uh, we'll get into that as well. We will have a show uh, uh, next week as well following the Bears game to preview the, the yet unnamed Vikings opponent. Again, it'll be uh, on the road either next Saturday or Sunday, likely against uh, New Orleans or Seattle, but we will all know that decision by late Sunday night. Kirk Cousins, thank you so much, and we'll be talking to you after the Bears game next week. Looking forward to it. Thanks, Mark. Well, post the Christmas holiday, the Vikings were back at work out here at TCO today getting ready for their game against the Chicago Bears. Let's hear what some of the players had to say. I'd like to be able to put together a better offensive showing against the Bears, considering how tough they, their defense has been before you left. Uh, I would love that, just considering the fact that, you know, we've played them these past two years and their defense has been a lot better than them. In the past, they always put up a good fight anyways. You know, now they're playing at another level. They have some great, some great guys on defense, so winning is always good. Guys are out there as starters. Help you build momentum heading into the playoffs, given the fact you're playing against that defense. Uh, just continuing to stay on point and you know um, on track on where we want to go offensively, and kind of continue to build build that momentum. And you know, it's kind of like you take you take some time off. You like lose a couple of steps on timing or however however you dress it up. But just kind of stay accurate and stay uh, stay on point. Adam's kind of uh, still kind of getting his rhythm back. If you've been out for a long time, how long does that usually take for someone? If you're out for four or five games how long does that really take to get your rhythm back i've never been out for four or five games so i don't really know 100 percent. but i've been out for a couple and it usually i mean it doesn't take it's not necessarily like catching the rhythm back because he's still the same guys just like you know you kind of like uh you haven't been out there in a while but just kind of like taking what the defense gives you i've been out there for a while now as far as like i only caught a couple of passes a game so it's not it hasn't been that many so um as far as like just kind of like getting back in the groove you kind of just got to take what the defense will give you at this point any longer to get over Monday night than a normal loss? Just uh, not really, because you know we we back at practice and we still got a we got a new game to worry about. But you know I hate I hate losing I hate losing in that Mariner, especially on a um, late in the season big game. But got to bounce back. It's kind of hard not to look past the Bears to the playoffs a little bit. I don't know you want to take one game at a time. Yeah. Plus you're dealing with the memory of the loss last year, the last game of the season. Too. I get it. Yeah, definitely. Just because uh, we did play them, it's kind of like this exact same schedule that we had as far as like playing uh, Green Bay and playing Chicago. So uh, you want to end the season strong going into the playoffs. So kind of at least have that momentum and, you know, have the right mindset. So. Adam, what did you learn from what happened on Monday night? Um, there's a lot of things to learn. Obviously, the first thing you do after a game like that is um, you look at the tape. Um, you replay it about 100 times laying in bed after the game um, and just try to figure out, you know, what you could have done better and um, and then try to now come out here this week and work on those things and, and try to move forward. Obviously, uh, it's it's really tough to move forward after a, you know, blowout win and a bad loss. So um, those are the toughest times to move forward. But uh, you have to do it. You have to learn from e- either one and, uh, like I said, move forward as fast as possible. Were you surprised at how much the offense stalled after it had been humming along so well since week f- five? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, anytime you, you, um, you know, have a performance like that, yeah, you're surprised because you put all that work in, whether it be, you know, not, not just OCA's training camp, all that, but uh, that week of preparation, you put all that in, and then to not, you know, have a great performance is, yeah, it's, it's surprising, it's, it's frustrating, what have you. But uh, at the end of the day, it's the NFL, and you're going to have days like that, and, and it's how you respond to a day like that.
Uh, not getting any receptions the other night. Um, why do you think that happened? And is any part of the hamstring injury still slowing you down at all? Was not had nothing to do with the hamstring injury. No, I felt I felt great out there. Um, you know, just uh, had a few opportunities. I didn't make the plays, and um, you know, the rest is is out of my control. How do you approach this game mentally, just knowing there isn't a like playoff seating isn't on the mm-hmm. line, but obviously still a game. You can get more confidence after what happened last week. How do you just approach it? Mentally? I mean, you, you got to approach it like any other game. Um, we're going to tee the ball up, and we're going to go out there and play, and what you put on tape is your resume. So uh, for us, it's another opportunity to go out and um, kind of get a bad taste out of our mouth from what we put on tape last week and uh, try to kind of have this springboard us into the, the more important season, and that's the four-game season that we have in front of us. What are some of the things you need to do to get the offense revved up again? Uh, you know, for us, we know the formula to be successful, and um, – you know, we didn't we didn't get to that last week, and uh, so for us, it's about running the football and um, making plays when the quarterback throws us the ball and, and being explosive with the ball in our hands. Game from a game like this, where it, there's nothing on the line in terms of playoffs, mm-hmm. but it is an opportunity against a good defense to to get back out there. How much can that transfer into the playoffs if you guys are out there with the starters? Well, I think in January, momentum is everything, and you know, you go back and look at wild card teams that have won the Super Bowl, played in the Super Bowl, made it to the Super Bowl. Uh, they usually have momentum at the end of the season. And, um, you know, we've talked about around here a lot, and you hear it often in this league. And it's just about playing your best football in January and getting hot at the right time. So, um, you know, Sunday's a great opportunity for us to get back on the right foot. You've been listening to Under Center with Kirk Cousins. Have a great night, everyone.